This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Kaylee, Danielle, Damasaurus, The Number Jeff, Awesome Possum Blossom, Amy, Matthew, William, Brandon, Dave, Scott, Kate, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, and Nick B. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group and or Discord servers where we chat daily. I honestly was a little surprised that salt wasn't more heavily featured in this fight against the brain slugs. (laughs) (laughs) This movie's ahead of its time for the female empowerment angle. <laughs> oh my god, what you guys could not see was uh, <laughs> was Paige almost spit out the water she was drinking. I was drinking water as you said that, and then I remembered the scene in this movie where they're like a sorority girl who knew her own name, man, brain power. <laughs> Thank you for tuning to Horror Vid Horror Vision, where we horror vision visions. the horror movies. <laughs> yeah fuck you Paige (laughs) I do love that you make the slightest mistake and Mikey and I just jump all over it yeah I know we are the worst (laughs) thank you for turning god damn it wow two for two Paige (laughs) now I'm gonna laugh I'm not gonna be able to do it okay fuck thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin I'm Paige I'm Mikey and I'm your Horror Virgin Todd which means I don't like scary movies but you guys make me watch them and this week Mikey Mikey made us watch, I think, the best horror movie ever made, <laughs> Night of the Creeps. Yes! Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This movie was everything. I loved everything about it. It is so bonkers. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Have you guys seen this movie before? No, this is the first time for all three. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I didn't realize Mikey hadn't seen it, but Mikey, I don't know how you pulled this out of your ass with not seeing so, it. This I- shit's amazing. <laughs> I've researched movies that I was like, what movies did I miss in the 80s that I think I would have really liked? And, and then, like, finally I got a chance to, like, pull this in. Like, you know, I'm yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. Could, is this a zombie film? I don't care. We got to watch this. It is. And- she, the main character or one of the main characters calls them zombies. I will say this is a zombie film for sure. Yeah. No, um, it had everything I wanted and more from this film. It was like, it was a great 80s film overall. <laughs> it felt like an 80s film. And then they just like ramped it up. The whole subplot about the revenge against the axe murderer it's was so. In- I loved it so it's much. So unnecessary, but I think it elevates it to Oscar contender status. Oh yeah, I've never seen anyone act better than Tom Atkins in this movie. I take back everything bad I've ever said about Tom Atkins <laughs> because this movie <laughs> absolves all of it. And I, I will. You've unlocked a fun fact early. Oh wow! Uh, this is his favorite movie that he's ever done. That is not at all surprising. This is my favorite movie that anyone's done. He was clearly having the most fun making this movie. Absolutely. Oh my god! I, I, it has like all the eighties, like the, the the nerdy main character who can't talk to to, to women. Like it felt like a college eighties film. It does, yeah. Oh, and then like the aliens were super unnecessary. Like you didn't need any of it, but we did it anyway. Like it could just be a canister the guy found in the woods without any context, and it would have been just as good. But instead, we have a five minute alien like like in suits looking like evil babies (laughs) (laughs) i loved this 
I love the way it starts because it is so next level bonkers. Like it could have been like a government experiment or whatever, but it was an experiment. <laughs> we get a conflict in space. Like there is something going on on that ship that is like causing them to shoot that out. You, yes. you read the subtitles. It was an experiment they did on the ship and one guy wanted to launch it at a planet and the other people wanted to stop it. I wanted a whole backstory about this. Me too. I want to see the prequel to this movie and I demand that they show the alien language and then subtitles under it the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the directorial cut of this movie. I did too, because that's what was on Amazon. I didn't realize that this movie would have a director's cut, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it did. It's just more Tom Atkins. <laughs> but I'm so glad I watched it. I'm so glad. This movie was amazing. Maybe we should just get into it because we're going to talk about all this when we go through it. But Oh, you mean my name, Inspector Einstein or <laughs> Inspector Gadget? <laughs> no, uh, their names are really important. I'll talk about it in fun facts, but it's... No, I'm talking about when he sarcastically answers anyone who calls his name by saying oh, a different name. Yeah. He only does that for like the first couple people he meets and then he does different things later. <laughs> but what's really funny is that the two main characters, he calls them Spanky and... Alfalfa. Alfalfa, Alfalfa yeah. from Little Rascals. And then later in the movie, Chris is like, Alfalfa's dead. Yeah, he like, refers <laughs> to his best friend, JC, like, who has just died as Alfalfa, which is bonkers. But as he's crying on the phone, I almost wanted to put, I put I put some scenes on my Instagram story just because they were too good. Yeah, you were sending us some. I know, too. it was amazing. It only happens five times, but I still want a super cut of him saying, thrill me into the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Funniest shit. Oh my god! And in the end, when the kid whispers, I was just like, "Perfect." Oh, I, I was like, "Yes!" I was yeah, I cried a little bit. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so sweet." But let's get into this movie because we've got a lot to talk about. Clearly, the movie starts inside what looks like a spaceship, and it, it looks like the Nostromo, like it's an yeah, alien it's, level spaceship, yes, but with giant evil looking babies. Yeah, evil alien babies are running around carrying a canister and they all so they're like rubber suits, but that means that they pretty much all have the same facial expression yeah. <laughs> and it never changes. It looks sort of like Stewie Griffin, like if you took Stewie Griffin and like made it a person, I feel like it would look like that because their heads are like more football shaped than a regular human head. Well, they also their entire back looks like a taint but they have no dicks. <laughs> I just can't believe you guys would culture shame an alien culture like this. They all look the same. That's super racist. Wow. I'm the taint backs of Rigel 7 have long been known to have taints for backs. <laughs> the taint backs. <laughs> that, that is how humanity would, would name other species. It is, yeah. <laughs> um, excuse me, Paige. I believe we call them gooch backs. <laughs> of course we would call them gooch bags <laughs> like, of course we would so the gooch bags two of them are firing at the third gooch back and he makes it he runs he like puts this capsule of something into an escape pod and yeah. it fires out into space oh, and then one of them's like don't let him Get the experiment off this ship. Their dialogue is completely bonkers it in is. the spaceship. But I mean, the, yeah. the bonkers dialogue is throughout the whole movie, so it's not surprising <laughs> that there's bonkers dialogue here. But all we're saying is the beginning of this movie is just like the beginning of the, the original Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one goochback runs down, and then he's got the thing, and he plugs it in, and it's like... 
Thank you, Goochback Kenobi. You're my only hope. <laughs> Thank you, Paige. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, so like, and they shoot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Shoot the gooch. They shoot the gooch out to Earth. <laughs> and then the main Goochback comes in and is like, I find your lack of taint disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's Darth Gooch. Uh, oh, and, no. <laughs> and then he chokes the gooch. <laughs> He force chokes the gooch, but yeah. He force chokes the gooch. <laughs> force choke the gooch. Force choke. <laughs> My favorite position. <laughs> uh, Alexa, order a Kama Sutra book. <laughs> but like only of Star Wars puns. <laughs> oh man, have you ever done a forced donkey punch? Oh God, oh, no, God. no. I re- I respect my partners. Sand everywhere. Yeah. Wait. No. No. Wait. Wait. Oh, wait. Wait. God. All the girls, Mikey's ghosted, stand in a line so we can hide their numbers. <laughs> okay. Now, Sorority Row, nineteen fifty nine, in black and white because in you know, black and white until the sixties, everything was black and white. Yeah. Uh, have you not seen Pleasantville? <laughs> the director wanted to have the whole movie in black and white. Oh, really? Yeah. Even the eighties portions, and he was overruled. Good. I yep. like 80s color style choices. Me too. So a convertible pulls up to the sorority house and is hearing an all points bulletin on the radio and just turns it off. Like doesn't actually pay attention to it. And he hears way too much of that bulletin to not be interested in it because it's like a crazy axe murderer has escaped this. And he like turns it off. Like you need yeah. to listen to that if it starts with a crazy axe murderer has escaped. We right. say that when we straight up ignore every Amber Alert that comes to our phone. I don't. <laughs> I, you say that. You, this is this. If an Amber Alert said crazy guy with an axe on your street, I'm staying the fuck inside. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know because everybody's just like, click. <laughs> no, we we read them, but it's always like Toyota traveling through Riverside County. And I'm like, that's 30 miles away. What am I going to do about it? I know. That's what I do. I'm like, well, that's nowhere close to me and I'm not leaving the house. So I'm probably not going to need this information. Right. Mikey, maybe you should read the Amber Alert. <laughs> Amber Alert. Goochback spotted on Main Street. <laughs> Goochback taken by his non-custodial stepfather. <laughs> Gooch father, Mikey. Gooch father, please. Show some respect to the Gooch. I come to you. On the day of my experiments <laughs> launching. <laughs> I can't believe we are 10 minutes into this episode and we're all the way to Godfather Goochfather parodies. <laughs> I don't know where we go from here, but I'm so excited to see where we end up. I'm, I'm thinking down the crack to the hole. That's where you go from the gooch. Mm. What does the gooch father put in someone's bed instead of a dead horse head? Just the tip. anyway we cut inside the kappa delta sigma sorority where a girl's on the phone other girls are getting ready some girls are reading and we go up to a girl's bedroom where a rock hits her window it doesn't break it just like a little pebble to like tap at her window which i guess was a thing back in the day like they even do that in the 80s when it when it like flash forward to the 80s todd have you never you've never thrown small pebbles at your girlfriend's window to get her to come out no this is not because i'm strong but i'm too clumsy i'd probably break the window like i don't know if i did it once if i can do it you can do it that's fair because you are very clumsy but i would be afraid to break the window well and remember when it happens in the 80s it's the guy from the 50s doing it that is true but still like was that ever a thing i guess it was my 
like it because you did it. Well, yeah, no cell phones. So, like, how are you going to get people to come down with other people downstairs knowing about it? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true. Okay. I sent a page and then I threw rocks <laughs> <into Orlando. laughs> You spelled out window in T9 and yeah. then said 911 and then threw things at her window. Yeah. What did you do in eighth grade? Honestly, I, I grew up super Mormon, so nothing. Like, I, I was... <laughs> At home watching fucking religious videos. I text five zero zero five one three five and I said, turn it upside down, baby. <laughs> Boobies, Paige. Boobies. <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you did look confused. <laughs> well, I was like, I was like, I know you can spell boobies, but then I was like, which one? And I was trying to turn it in my head. Okay. Anyway, we cut to them at makeout point and they're talking about which star is the brightest. And the radio comes on for another bulletin, and there's some killer on the loose. And as they're listening to it, a flashlight illuminates the car. It's the cops. Yes. And it's Ray. Or young Tom Atkins. Young Tom Atkins played by a completely different actor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I honestly would have loved it if it was, like, full-age Tom Atkins <laughs> pretending to be a 22-year-old cop. <laughs> Just black and white Tom Atkins. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's like, oh, it's his ex high school sweetheart, but he doesn't interfere. He's just like, you guys should go home, okay? And the guy that she's with, who I think his name is Josh. Yeah, who cares? John, yeah. Josh, I don't remember. He basically is like, yeah, sure, we'll go home. But instead, they see a meteor crash into the woods behind them, and they decide to go, or rather, he decides to go track it down. She's just in the car. Yeah, I was about to say, it doesn't seem like she wants to go, necessarily. Right. So they get to the woods, and she's like, this place gives me the creeps. And he parks the car, takes the flashlight into the woods, tells her to stay there, and then he goes into the forest. Yeah, but not before saying, this is what you get for dating an astronomy major. <laughs> <laughs> the radio comes back on there's another update and there's an escaped patient from a mental institute with a large fire axe and he's headed west towards route 66 toward the university which is literally she's like under the sign i know <laughs> it's, I love it's that. so funny it is so she turns the car's lights on and yeah, it literally says route on. 66 and right next to it three miles to whatever university i was uh, like but yeah, this the, movie's amazing yeah and the bullets <laughs> is just like the urban legend of like the the hook guy yeah it's like the same exact thing yeah but he has an axe yeah. this time well and we we hear that he murdered four orderlies to escape so he's yeah. Clearly capable of murder. As we cut into the forest, there's fog from the pod, and Johnny is approaching the little capsule that they launched. Back in the car, Pam is like, can we go back to the point now? I'll let you fondle my breasts. <laughs> but unfortunately, the guy no. she's about to spend some time with is more of an axe man, and he is. <laughs> and her boyfriend's more into the gooch, apparently, because he's off of that gooch <laughs> yeah. canister. Yeah. <laughs> I would say the boyfriend's more into tentacle porn. <laughs> no kink shame. No, no kink shame. <laughs> I don't get it, but listen, I get that it's a thing. Here's what boggles my mind. Not about tentacle porn, about this movie. and <laughs> Tentacle porn she gets, Mikey. Yeah, she... yeah, I don't have questions about tentacle porn. I have questions about why this woman in a convertible is like so afraid and not watching her six. I do. She's just like, I... ah. But then never turns around where she would see the axe murderer could maybe start running or driving where the you car. would hear the footsteps of the axe murderer walking up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 
Johnny in the woods approaches the capsule. He sees something moving inside and it's cracked open and a space slug jumps into his mouth. Yes, he gets gooched. <laughs> These space slugs are very accurate jumpers. Oh, they yes. are? <laughs> Mikey, I just wanted to see one like bounce off a cheek or something. like. <laughs> right. I wanted to see it miss a couple of times. Like my dog can't go out of the door to go to the backyard without hitting her head like nine times. So... <laughs> Mikey, first off, why are you hitting your dog nine times before she leaves the house? No, I just be like, she's <laughs> wild. She is. She's I like know. wild. So like, she'll turn around and fall. Like these slugs, precision instruments. Yeah, I think this is more about your dog than the slugs. <laughs> All right. I mean, she's not great. <laughs> anyway, we watch as the axe murderer gets closer, swings, and we would have to assume kills her. And it cuts to a title card that says Pledge Week 1986. And we're in color now. We're in color. Yeah. We're in the 80s. We're in Reagan's America. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is so 80s. It it looks like a movie that would be made today to look like the 80s. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, it does, which is kind of amazing to be honest. It's a, it's so 80s, it is the stereotype. <laughs> right. And you've got two dorks walking down the sidewalk, and the taller of the two, who we will learn is Chris, is talking about how he's depressed because his grandparents have sex more than they do. And I'm like, that's a weird thing to keep track of with your grandparents. I know, right? And I think JC, his friend, is like, well, isn't that like a good thing? <laughs> that your grandparents are still getting it? Yeah, except for the syphilis that's going to make its way through the nursing home. Well, <laughs> they're not in the nursing home yet, I think. You don't know that. I don't know that, but hopefully they're monog- Well, I mean, maybe they're freaks in the nursing home. Yeah, maybe that's how they're having more sex than they do. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, take me to the nursing home. Take me to the nursing home. Leave me to the ladies. Anyway, so <laughs> his friend, JC, who has crutches, uh, is trying to cheer him up. It's not really working. Uh, but as they're walking, they see a group of pretty girls. And one of them is, we will find out, Cindy. He thinks she's beautiful. And his friend, JC, is just like, yo, toots, what's your name? <laughs> and anytime anyone says toots, unironically hilarious yeah i honestly love jc's sort of approach to women not the hey toots same but, but that he's like not at all intimidated or he's yeah. just very confident and i like that i was like jc even though he uses some problematic language sort of knows how to like talk he has figured out that the worst someone can say is no and you just got to talk to people. Yeah. And if you talk to enough people, somebody going to say yes. I, for a second, thought that JC was going to end up with Cynthia. I kind of did, too. And I was like, I'm here for this. I like, was kind of hoping for it. Yeah, I, I was yeah. on board for it. Yeah. So as the group of girls kind of disperses, we watch as they all walk into the beta house where there is a party in progress. PIP, baby. Party in progress. Party in progress. Chris says, I want to marry her. And JC says, you have to meet her first, which was like, right. that was my first clue that I was like, JC gets it. Yeah. And Chris <laughs> is an idiot, like a full blown idiot. You've never yep. even talked to her. She might be the worst. That's what I was saying. I was like, man, only in the 80s would it be like, oh, she's beautiful. I want to marry her. Yeah. You've got to learn a lot about somebody before you decide you want to marry somebody. Like she could be the Regina George of this school. Yeah. You don't know. She could be the worst. <laughs> the worst. Yep. Yeah. So they go into the party. They kind of follow her in and they spot her in the group holding a very 
not concealed Pepsi promotional cup. I know. I love, I love that. Chris, he spent a very long time pouring beers into cans, into cups for some reason. Like he, he, he was like pouring out like nine beers before he took one to drink. I noticed that and it was weird. <laughs> anyway, they notice that she's talking to a guy named Steve who has one continuous eyebrow. He does, which is very mean to him, but I laughed. My favorite is he's asking Cynthia, he's like, you gonna come to the game? You can sit on the bench. You can watch me play. And you're just like, he's barely a person. Uh, But JC walks up, tells him that there's a call for him inside. And he's like, okay, cool. But my favorite is he asks for his name and then tells him there's a call for him inside. So like, that should have been the first clue. But this guy's, he's a dumb guy. He's super, super dumb. Yeah, he's a dumb 80s jog stereotype, and I'm here for it. I want him to yell out, nerds! (laughs) Nerds! He honestly is sort of like a um, Neanderthal. Like, he looks sort of Neanderthal-ish. He just escaped that cryo lab, and he's trying to make it work as Encino Man. Anyway, (laughs) while Steve is gone... On the phone, not on the phone, but you know what I mean. JC talks to <laughs> Cynthia. He finds out her name is Cynthia, Cynthia Cronenberg. Which I think is the first horror movie reference. No. I- the first one. There are a lot, but that's like that's the first one that stood out to me. I was like, oh, they are like, yeah. you know, they're forcing in any horror reference they can. The the first one is the name the name of the university. Oh, is it? See, I didn't get that one. Okay. But this is a big one. Yeah. And he does this whole thing of like, I'm my friend's agent. He wants to talk to you. The fate of the free world. And he's like, but you have a boyfriend. And she kind of nods and they think it's Steve, but it's not. But like she is dating somebody at that frat. Yeah. At first I thought it was Steve though. I was like, when Brad shows up later, I'm like, is she cheating on Steve with Brad? Like what's happening right now? For a second, I thought she was cheating on Steve with Brad and I was just like, good for her. But then like, <laughs> no. I don't know. I thought you'd be into Steve because his shoulders were pretty wide. Honestly, if he just waxed that center part. Yeah. The center part of his back. You want like a racing stripe down the back? I get it. That makes sense. I get yeah, it. so I can see the gooch. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> the racing stripe goes all the way down to the gooch page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I meant eyebrows, but. No, I know. But vertical stripes make you look thinner. It's true. <laughs> That's not something I needed from Steve, but okay. Yeah. Anyway, Steve comes back, and I love what Steve says, where he just says, you're cruising, man. And what he means is you're cruising for a bruising, yes. but he just doesn't even finish it. He's just, you're cruising. <laughs> Uh, and then JC calls him Chad, Biff, and then Steve, yeah. which is really funny. But he kind of ejects JC from the conversation. So JC goes back to Chris and he's like, she knows her name, which for a sorority girl is impressive. Yeah. It's not a great joke. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and Paige is a sorority girl, so making her say it is funny. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, Paige, when you were in a sorority, did you know your name? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's that's news to the writer of this film. As far as I know from what people would shout at me, it was eat a salad or ham beast. But... <laughs> oh, no, God. I'm kidding. Oh, God, Paige. My name was still Paige. <laughs> anyway, JC was like, she didn't say she had a boyfriend, or at least she didn't say who her boyfriend was. Right. And at this point, Chris is like, well, the only way... 
she'll take me seriously. And JC's like, by talking to her, you have to go talk to her. And he's like, no, yes. no, no, we got we got to join the frat. So, so stupid. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we cut to them at the beta house and the betas are like, what makes you think that you're beta material? What are you offering? Like, we already have our pledge class. Like, what? why should we pick you? And they give them an assignment a small act of devotion that would basically prove that they really want to join. And my favorite is they're like, are you going to make us have sex with a farm animal? And they're like, no, but that's a great suggestion, (laughs) (laughs) which is a reference to the skull and bone society. You're welcome. So they actually fucked animals. There is a rumor. Okay. It is a rumor. We covered them on cult podcast. We could not officially find like video <laughs> or anything. <laughs> but we did go to farmhub.com to look. <laughs> uh, allegedly, former presidents may or may not have stuck their dicks in a dead pig to be the men they are today. I don't know. Oh, oh. it's a coming of age ritual. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I don't like this at all. I like the joke, but I don't like this. I, yeah, I like I like the joke. I don't like it being real. Yeah. But no, they, they say something more challenging. And essentially, we don't find out what it is right away. But they leave the house. And as they're leaving, Chris says, well, at least we don't have to have sex with a farm animal. And JC's like, at least we'd be having sex, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh. not the right way to look at it. Yeah. No, JC, no. but we find out that if they'll pull it off they'll maybe let them in and we cut back into the beta house where we learn that cynthia is dating the president of the betas a guy named brad whose license plate says bradster yes you mean my favorite character in this film (laughs) brad is hilarious (laughs) and he has the worst bleached blonde hair i've ever seen it looks like a bad five dollar wig goodness it does look like a wig again brad's character is more stereotypical 80s than i think the 80s was prepared for like you couldn't do better making a parody of the 80s than this movie i I just don't understand that's true if you did it today his hair would be toned to the right shade and so right. it wouldn't be accurate the shit he says to her so funny but so terrible oh it's amazing every line in this movie is gold but you could trade brad out for jake in 16 candles and he would look like he fits in that movie oh jake ryan he doesn't even know you exist <laughs> <laughs> i i'm i'm extremely attracted to jake ryan in 16 candles oh that ch- checks out for your issues <laughs> oh thanks he does some <laughs> shitty stuff later in that movie what do you think my issues are mike just blindsided by broad shoulder <laughs> broad shoulder sided by broad shoulders broadsided yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. so we cut to the lab at the university where a graduate student in a lab coat is trying to log into the lab and can't get in and that guy's like a famous actor he is he has like three lines in this movie, but he's like one of those, oh, hey, it's that guy, guys. Yeah, exactly. Because Jake, we were watching it together and he was like, yeah, he played this and this. And he, we could list off like six different things he did, but not his name. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely a that guy actor. Um, I could tell you his name because I just looked it up. It's David Pamer. David Pamer. And he's been in a bunch of shit like literally he has 172 acting credits he well i feel like i've seen him on like 12 different law and order episodes 
Uh, you probably have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, so his like top movies on IMDb are In Good Company, The American President, yep. Get Shorty. I mean, he's been in a bunch of stuff. And he has the best makeup in this movie, I would say. <laughs> not in this scene, but later. Yeah, not yet. Anyway, he can't remember the last digit, so he goes to the payphone to call back to, I'm assuming, his dorm or his other lab to go through the notebooks to find the digits. Yeah, the digits to unlock the door to the lab. Right. As he's doing that, JC and Chris sneak in, and they see that there's one digit missing, and so they just press a zero to see what happens. Yeah, JC just hits zero when the door <laughs> opens. Yep, and it opens, they go into the lab and turn on the lights, and it's essentially a cryogenics lab where they have preserved Johnny from the 50s. And they're pretty sure he's dead or at least not well, which is my favorite where they're like, are you sure he's dead? Well, I'm pretty sure he's not well. <laughs> and then they're like, I wonder who he is. And then they, the first name they say is Walt Disney. <laughs> A reference to his head being cryogenically frozen and kept in the castle. <laughs> like you do. Yeah, and he had just died like 20 years before this movie came out. So right. clearly the head was still publicly visible if you walked around downtown Disney. It was in the parade. Downtown Disney wasn't built to the 90s. Around the head. Yeah, to protect it. Supposedly it's underground. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just want them to freeze my gooch. <laughs> You know, there are some very nice ladies you could pay to do that yeah. for you. Yeah, just bring ice cubes. They'll do whatever. No, 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 no. I want I want my gooch displayed in the Smithsonian. How famous do I have to get for that to happen? Oh, I mean, Joe Rogan levels a podcast famous, I would imagine, at least. Somebody get Joe Rogan's gooch on the phone. <laughs> no, it's too far down. He's so short. He He's is. so small. He's like 5'1". <laughs> Fun fact about Joe Rogan, he was one of the aliens at the beginning of this In movie. In the goose suits. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they turn off the cryogenic stasis system, which lets Johnny out, and they're going to carry him out because they think he's just a dead body. But as they're doing that, the guy on the phone gets the numbers and he walks towards the lab. As they're trying to walk the body out, the body reaches out and grabs their hand. They freak out and run out of the lab. Hell yeah, they do. The grad student goes in and finds the body on the floor. And as he goes to check on it, it chokes him and shoots a space slug into his mouth. Yeah. Mm. Second base. It's more like third. <laughs> third when you think about it. Third, third base. Yeah, that's fair. So... Chris and JC run back to their dorm and essentially Chris is sad because he's like, we'll never get Cynthia back because I didn't get a dead body. How am I going to join the frat? And JC has this weird soliloquy in the middle of the movie that's just like, I bust my ass to help you and you don't even care and I'm just trying to make you happy, but you're an asshole and it's this whole thing. They get in a pillow fight and they go to bed. Yeah, JC's an Enneagram 2. Yeah. <laughs> And what is an Enneagram too, Mikey? It's a helper, but then they get really, they lash out when they get frustrated that they're not appreciated. Yeah. But also it comes with fries and a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh man, I'm a three. Are you? Oh, I can see that. I think the last time I took that test, I think it was a seven or an eight. I think yeah. it was an eight. Yeah, I can see you being an eight because eight and twos are similar. I'm a two. I'm eight where I'm not helping you and also not really sad about it. <laughs> that's not true i that's help people sometimes i'm not an expert me either. also mercury's in retrograde so you have to go to 74 mercury's in gatorade actually it just ended mercury is no longer in retrograde but you know what will selfish people blame on their mistakes oh 
definitely trauma bonding from the pandemic. <laughs> also, Mayor of Easttown is over. I don't know if these jokes are for anybody else but us three, but I love these. I love <laughs> I love wellness jokes. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, they're gonna get to a better place in their life, whatever that means, be it like losing weight, getting sober, etc. Uh -huh. And then they're mm -hmm. gonna blame their shitty self on the things that they used to do before and how uh, that thing in their life doesn't rule them anymore. Uh, but they're also not going to apologize for the shitty stuff that they did. I live in Los Angeles. I know a bunch of those. It's like so dead on. I can't even laugh. I'm just like, oh my God, you're describing everything on Instagram. Yep. Yeah, that and then swimsuits that don't account for females having anything in the front. Like, it's like you have to be a Barbie doll to wear that shit. I'm like, that could fit like one labia in it. <laughs> have you seen swimsuits right now? One's all you need. They don't account for labias or holes or anything. Do I just Google swimsuits right now to see this? Like, what are you talking about? Look at bikinis, bikinis right now. It's almost always a thong in the back, which is kind of annoying. But then in the front, the front part's like this big. And I'm just like, I guess maybe if you're super skinny, your vagina is also small. But like, I don't live that life. That's not always true. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. That just, I was not expecting that. They're like fingerprints. Everyone's is different, but they're all pretty great. I guess that should be the tagline of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> vaginas, vaginas are, are like, like fingerprints. fingerprints they're all different but they're all pretty great <laughs> i got a latent <laughs> vagina print on my windowsill that's how we busted the perp <laughs> it looks like paisley but anyway we cut to tom atkins who is clearly having like some sort of beach dream. I love this. So it was the much. best introduction to a Tom Atkins character I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, because there's a younger woman in a bikini bringing him drinks. He's wearing a white tuxedo. Yes. He's wearing a white tuxedo. At the beach in shoes. <laughs> At the beach in shoes. <laughs> and the blonde girl Pam who got killed in the black and white sequence in 59 in 59 comes out of the water as if she's like a ghost or something like fast times at Ridgemont High like slow and sexily well all of those are shot in reverse well not only that but they're also usually referencing Dr. No yes with Ursula Andress coming mm -hmm. out of the, the water it's one of my favorite Bond film it's a very fun Bond film anyway it quickly shifts to him having a nightmare because he was the responding officer that night at the axe murder and he picks up her severed hand at one point and he's like holding it against his face because <laughs> he found it in the street yeah Paige, there's worse things he could have done that's true well i mean that's true uh but then he's got a 12 gauge the axe murderer turns around and he's a skeleton he wakes up in his apartment where he was reading a book because the phone is ringing. He picks up the phone and says, thrill, thrill me. me. Legend. I loved it so hard. It was amazing. Everything. Yeah. Love it. So he is Detective Cameron and he gets called to the University Medical Center uh, where an experimental lab has been broken into and the graduate student is dead. There's two dead bodies. Oh, that's what they tell him on the phone. It's a plot point. 
it's a plot point. <laughs> he gets there and they greet him as Ray. So this is how we know that he is the responding officer from back in the day, present day. And they tell him that they've been housing some kid's body since 1959. And he says, is this a bad B movie? Which, by the way, is what this movie was trying to do. It was going for B movie. They nailed that. They 100% achieved that B movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, the second body is gone. And also the group of policemen there are not equipped to deal with the situation. And the body allegedly walked off while they were in the bathroom. And he's like, bodies don't walk by themselves, except that's exactly what happened. I love this shot because he's talking to all these cops and stuff. And one of them has a clipboard and he has gloves on, but he's eating a donut with gloves on. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why, but I found that so funny. Well, it's because he's a desk sergeant. Well, okay, but like also you put gloves on and then you're eating. Yes. Like what are your gloves doing in this? And all he's doing is like writing on a uh, clipboard. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? What? Why do you need gloves for this? Because he he's never supposed to be at a crime scene and doesn't understand it. <laughs> I don't understand driving gloves either. Oh, I don't know. But we're coming to get you, Mikey. We're coming for you. I love when a woman tells me that. <laughs> oh, but in that voice though? Yes. Like in, in Johnny's voice. I'm like, do the Romero voice. <laughs> I have a specific taste in my room. The Legos. The Legos from your room of pain? <laughs> you mentioned the Legos so much that I think you actually do use them sexually on some level. Because <laughs> you want to build a relationship, Todd. Yeah, because when you build a relationship, everything is awesome. <laughs> everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome. When you're fucking Mikey. <laughs> yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Anyway, so the body's gone. We cut to. This episode is boggers. <laughs> we cut to the sorority house where Brad is dropping Cynthia off and she's kind of annoyed uh, because he's cutting their date short to try and haze uh, Chris and JC because he's like, they might still pull it off. So she goes into the house. Uh, the house mom is in the house and she's seems like disapproving, but doesn't really do anything. You don't see her again ever in the whole film. Yeah, well, no, you do see her later, but she... She only exists to get killed by the axe murderer when he comes back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she doesn't yeah. have any lines or anything. Yeah. She does some pretty stellar face work, though. Yes. Yeah. So as uh, Cindy's coming into the house, the nerdy girl, like, she's established as, like, the one nerdy girl in the sorority. <laughs> she shows up and is like, I'm working on this project. Can I keep these here? And they are human brains. <laughs> yeah. And Cynthia is like... Uh, why don't you keep those in the basement? I just don't want them up here. I just was happy we had a good example of like women in STEM majors. Me too. So Cindy goes up to her room. She gets undressed. We cut back down to the nerdy girl doing homework and there's a scratching at the door and it looks like it might be the body because we see him walking towards the house, but instead she opens the door and it's her cat Gordon. Gordon's the cutest black cat ever. He's very cute. Yeah. For now. Well, that's true. He turns into a very not cute black cat later. Still kind of cute, though. I mean, yeah. Neck down. <laughs> a butter cat. <laughs> He's a butter, a butter cat, cat for sure. Yeah. 
So the zombie goes to the fire escape up to Cindy's room. Uh, Cindy's getting into her pajamas as a rock hits her window. She looks down, doesn't see anything, and goes... This scene. Yeah. She goes to her other window, looks outside, and it's the zombie Johnny there full of slugs. But he's holding a flower to Yes, her. he is. It's bonkers. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is one of the videos you posted yeah. in your story, Mikey, because I saw this scene in Mikey's story before I watched the movie this morning. This scene is where I fell in love. <laughs> is it because he brought you a flower? Because <laughs> the next scene, he's like, ah. I know. It, it's like, okay, so he, you see him with the flower, like he's giving her the flower, but still a zombie. And then it, you get a reaction shot from her. And then immediately he's somewhere else going, ah, like with his hands up, dropped the flower. No, he's on the window. And then his head blows up or whatever. Yes. Yeah, it turns into a bunch of slugs that miraculously don't infect Cynthia. We're not really sure. How they don't. They run away. I actually I have sort of a theory on why that is. It's because she's so salty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's because when your head explodes, the slugs run a certain amount of distance before they then start to look for like a hole to force their way into. I'm so sorry I had to say it that way, but that's this movie. Like the Hunger, it's like the beginning of the Hunger Games where they all run out in different directions. Yeah, and then eventually they all try to get to the holocopia. <laughs> Paige's face is amazing right now. She hates us so much. Well, this is where I started to fall in love with this movie because Tom Atkins shows up again and yes. smells a flower out in front of the house and basically approaches the front of the house where they found the other body with the head split completely in half. Yeah. So as he walks through the property, he asks him about the house mother's cottage and has a flashback to burying a body, which yeah. will come... Later, we'll find out why later. Yeah, he fully explains it while he's admitting to murder to a child who is in college. It's the best side plot of any movie I've ever <laughs> seen in my whole life. Yeah, it's an awesome B plot in this B movie. It is. That is by far superior to Jerry Seinfeld's B movie. Yes. Oh, let's not go too far. <laughs> so he actually asks one of the other sergeants there if it looks like this could have been done with an axe. And the other sergeant's like, that psycho disappeared 27 years ago, which it's even crazier that he asks now <laughs> because we'll find out later that he shot that guy in the chest and then buried him. Yeah. Street justice. Street justice. They seal up the body. And the next day, JC and Chris are walking on campus and the betas show up and they're like, not cool, bros. You put the body outside the wrong house. And they're like, we didn't do it. Like we chickened out. And Brad, in revenge, kicks JC's crutches, which makes him fall. This scene, because there's like a dead silence where everybody's like. Oh, no. Did he oh, really no. do that? There's nothing better in this movie than when Cynthia does the fishing reel flick off and then people <laughs> yeah. slow That's clap so behind crazy. her. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to talk about it, too. I laughed out loud, man. I could not believe they slow oh. clapped that. I was so funny. Well, because every I feel like everyone, even the even the betas who are not great, but like everyone besides Brad is like, whoa, <laughs> step too far. We were going to intimidate them, but we weren't going to kick his crutches, you fucking monster. What is like, wrong with you? Like, a, like the record scratch when he does this, like, and everyone's yeah. like, oh. Yeah, I, everyone in the scene just is like, oh, he's a villain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like immediately. And then he tells Cynthia, let's go, babe. 
babe or something, right? Yeah, he's like, let's go, babe. And she's like, fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> like, we no. just broke slow, up. The slow wind up of the middle finger and then the slow clap of the woman in the background. Basically, yeah. it's screen making perfection. It it's is. great. Yeah. So Cynthia instead helps JC up and back into his crutches and apologizes yeah. to him. And they, as they're kind of walking away, Tom Atkins shows up and is like, yeah, you got some questions to answer. So he interrogates them. We, we go to an interrogation room at the police station and the night janitor at the lab recognizes them. Yes. And so he asks them about what happened. They tell him the truth. Eventually they kind of skirt around it, but they do tell him the truth. Yeah. JC tries to make up a story, but then Chris is like, no, 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 we were there. Here's what happened. You know, right. and they pretty much describe that scene in the, the lab. Yeah. Right. And they're like, we did run off screaming because it touched us and we were, we wanted to run away. Yeah. Yeah. Show us on this doll where the dead body touched you. Um, <laughs> I did not like the poor Asian character stereotype. No, being no, bored. I did not. Yeah. I feel like the, it could have been anybody. It didn't have to yeah. be a stereotype. But essentially, he just gets stuck on that phrase screaming like banshees, which is pretty funny. But you're right. It literally could have been any character who was just like screaming like banshees, man. Banshees. Like, yeah. 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 It didn't have to be a racist stereotype, but it was the 80s. So it kind of had to be an a racist stereotype <laughs> for no reason. It's terrible. There's at least one side character that is a racist stereotype in like every... Yep. 80s move. <laughs> that is the rule. One of the things, hopefully, we will improve in the future. Uh, yeah. So we cut to the coroner's lab where he's doing the autopsy on the grab grad student and i just have a note because the coroner comes in and he's got like a members only jacket a plaid shirt and jeans and the way his he is styled he reminded me of francis from peewee's big adventure just like <laughs> you're never gonna cut that dead body up francis and you're just like why is francis in this movie <laughs> i did love this shot because he's like looking around like he heard something the coroner is and then right, right as he turns around is when the dead body sits up and I was like, oh, right. that was perfect timing. It was so good. Yep. And the body just walks out of the autopsy lab and essentially approaches that same janitor who's talking about the screaming like banshees, but then screams his self. Yes. Now, can I say when he walks past that cop and the cop's like, have a good night. Oh, I love that. It was so funny. Well, and my favorite is every time they do a reverse shot of his facial expression, because oh, yeah. he literally is like like almost confused and bored <laughs> at the same time. It's the best. At one point, they have him look around a corner, but his facial expression doesn't change. <laughs> it's so funny. He's my favorite dead body that walks around this yeah, movie. He's great. So we cut over to the sorority house where in the bushes outside sorority row, it is a full-blown slug party. <laughs> You know, you guys have been to a slug party. You guys know what we're talking about. No margaritas, all techno music. It's a slug party. <laughs> because the margaritas would have a salt rim, Mikey. That's why they can't have margaritas. I mean, that is a really highbrow joke that I did not get the first time until you explained it to me. And I feel like an idiot. <laughs> I feel like my brain is full of slugs and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just feeling really sluggish this morning. <laughs> oh, I love it. So the phone rings inside the sorority house and they answer it. It's for Cindy and it is Brad. And he's just like, what up, bitch? And she's just like, hard pass. Yeah, she's like, did you not get that we broke up? And she's then like, he's don't. <laughs> yeah. Say, say it, Paige. 
That's what I get for dating a psych major. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to the nerdy girl who's studying in her room. We hear the scratch at the door and she goes to answer it, but it is a zombie cat. Butter cat is back. Mm -hmm. We cut back to Tom Atkins house where he is reviewing crime scene photos with a whiskey and they're crime scene photos from the the crime in the 50s. Yes, I call it Friday's. What, because you're drinking whiskey? True crime and whiskey. It's Friday. (laughs) Honestly, I don't drink, but true crime Friday is good. Like, I'm down for that. I watch true crime docs a lot. Yep. We find out, because the phone rings, we find out that they found the body of the grad student. And this is one of many shots where we see slugs running away and you can just fully see the fishing lines. Yeah. Every time. That's so good. We cut to Chris and JC's dorm. And this is where you get a shot of JC's I'm single, let's mingle sticker, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. There's a knock on the door and it's Cindy. And she's like, hey, I looked you guys up in the student directory. Do you want to go for a walk? And so they go for a walk across campus and she's basically telling them what happened where like they knew the cat had died. They buried him. They saw the grave, but then he came back and they're trying to offer reasonable explanations where they're like, was she on drugs? And, you know, she's like, no. And she also says that she saw that guy's body and says that it came to her window and then its head exploded into slugs and she just didn't know who else to talk to. Yeah. And they are like blowing her off. They're like, sure, 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 sure. Whatever. I did love that JC is like the ultimate wingman. And as they start yes. to get a little bit closer, he's like, oh, this is my cue to scoot. And he like, yeah. he's like, hey, I got to go to the bathroom anyway. I'll be back. And he just leaves. They don't date JC dirty in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly could have used more of JC because like he's an awesome best friend. He's a great wingman. He's the perfect character to me. But much like Mercutio, they had to kill him off and the whole <laughs> thing becomes about him. Yeah. And as he's kind of walking towards the bathroom, He says, go for it. Like to himself, go for it, partner. If she's misplaced her marble collection, go ahead. (laughs) Basically, like if she's crazy enough to date you, do it. Oh, I thought he was saying that because of what she was saying. And, you know, right before he left. Probably both. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And after he leaves, she basically says to Chris, I think it was a zombie. This is where she kind of talks more about the slugs. But we cut to JC has then gone to the bathroom and Chris is going to walk Cynthia home. Yeah. And in the bathroom, the zombie janitor enters the bathroom and then literally just collapses on the floor where his head explodes and the slugs come out. Yeah. Now, in this, you get a shot of the writing on the wall of the bathroom stall that JC is into. Yeah. Now, one of them says Monster Squad Forever, I think is what it says, which is the next movie that this director would do is Monster Squad. Oh, wow. Okay. And then up at the top, it just says Striper Rules. Yep. Do you know the band Striper page? I do. And I have fun facts about why that ends up in this movie. Oh, okay. A personal fun fact about Striper. My band, Blackwater James, opened up for Striper. And they are the only band I've ever seen throw Bibles at the audience. I remember you telling this story. I was like, I need to talk about Striper. Honestly, they were all super nice guys when we like were talking to them backstage, but I've never seen a band throw out like three pound Bibles at people. <laughs> like full size ones. Yeah, they were. And they had striper logos on them, which I was like, I don't know if that's appropriate. Oh, my God. If you if you're out there and you're listening to this and you have a striper logo Bible. Yeah, I need it. Yeah, I need one for my collection. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At us on that. 
<laughs> so he opens the door to look outside the stall and he sees all the slugs on the floor. So he pulls up his pants and grabs a book of matches that's fallen out of the janitor's pocket. And he reaches for them. A slug gets his finger. He recoils, but then goes back, still grabs the matches, sets it on fire, sets the whole matchbook on fire. Yeah. He holds it under the door where he burns one of the space slugs. But as he's doing it, one goes up his pant leg. He yells and one ends up going into his mouth. Yeah, we don't technically see that because it cuts away. But he explains it later through like a tape he left for Chris. Right. Yeah. And that's why you don't, you know, you only go to like safe places to poop. Yeah. Yes, Mikey. You only poop on home turf. I get that. Yeah. No, I mean, or like or like, or like hotel lobbies are a good one. Walgreens if you're in a pinch. But like just like a weird park restroom, don't do that. That was a campus restroom. Exactly. Yeah, that, those were also bad. I went to. I mean, like I would. I I was like, I gotta make it back to the dorm. I can. I can do this. I gotta walk fast. Oh, uh, we had really nice campus bathrooms. But anyway, so Chris and Cindy walk home, and uh, she asks him to her formal the next night. He says yes, and he's like, "But what about Brad?" And she's basically just like, "Brad's an asshole. Are you coming or not?" Yeah, in my mind, she already broke up with Brad. Like, she broke up with Brad over the phone and when she flicked him off. Like, Brad just can't take a hint. Right. Yeah. So Chris drops her off at the sorority house. And as he leaves, he runs into Tom Atkins, who's like, zombies, exploding heads, slugs, and a date for the formal. Classic (laughs) spanky. Man, but when you say runs into Tom Atkins, like, he literally, like, runs into him. Like, looks away and then, like, almost, like, ends up with Tom's (laughs) cigarette in his mouth. They're that close. Are we... Are we at that scene? Are we there? It's it's the very next one because we cut to Tom Atkins takes him home to his house. Yes. So he goes to Tom Atkins' house. And at this point, Tom Atkins basically confesses to the murder of that axe murderer. Yes. Like brings a child to his home. I guess he's not a child. He's a college student. But still brings a college student to his home to confess a murder he did like 24 years ago. Yeah. He reveals that he murdered somebody and buried the body underneath what is now the house mother's house. Yes. Behind the sorority house. And we get more of that flashback as he's explaining it. Right. And at this point, Chris is like, did you just confess to a murder? Like, is there a point to this? And he's like, I'm trying to figure that out. Even though that axe murder has pretty much nothing to do with anything. It's just going to be a a weird B plot. Tom Atkins character has his own demons he's dealing with. His own slugs. He should get himself a girlfriend half his age to handle his slug like he does in every other movie he's in. Every other movie. I was honestly surprised he doesn't end this movie by dating one of the college students. That's how like, Tom Atkins movies typically go. <laughs> anyway, we cut to the house mother's cottage where she is actually watching Plan 9 from Outer Space. Which is great. Uh, There's a thud from the floor and then a bigger thud. Her dog gets nervous. And then the axe murderer uh, or a zombie axe murderer, I should say, busts through the floorboards and murders her with an axe. She sits on the couch while all of this is slowly happening in her house. Yeah. I was like, I mean, she needs to run away from here. What is she doing? I think she took an Ambien. <laughs> she was like, man, I hallucinate on these now. I thought I just ate food. <laughs> like, I just want to sleep well, you know? <laughs> She's just like sinking into the couch like creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, a phone call comes into Tom Atkins' house. They grab the shotgun and shells. They head out to the house mother's house. And as he's driving, he's like, where are my backups? And they almost hit his car yeah. as they swerve into the road. 
They get to the house. They check the neighborhood and they say that she had a dog, but it took off the second they opened the door. They don't see anything in the neighborhood initially until literally the zombie axe murderer walks right up to the car (laughs) and grabs one of them and grabs one of them. They radio in. They eventually kind of corner him in an alley. And Tom Atkins with his gun is just like, I already killed you, you son of a bitch. And then they just (laughs) blow that guy full of holes until somebody finally shoots his head off. It's Tom. Tom Atkins blows his head off with the shotgun. Yeah. But again, he's full of slugs. Yep. I will say very police-like move that he just turns around and they shot him 40 times. (laughs) Yeah, they plugged him full of slugs. And then it turned out he was also full of slugs. But he had slugs for them, too. I love that because Tom Atkins just jumps over a fence from nowhere and like, yeah, cocks the (laughs) rifle like midair. Yes, such a fucking badass. So good. He is a sixty-year-old action star from the (laughs) eighties. I love it. Me too. I love love it. 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 He's like the Liam Neeson of the eighties. I have a very particular set of slugs. (laughs) (laughs) My skills include dating women half my age and shooting. (laughs) No margaritas. Uh, we cut to oh, the, the next <laughs> the next day, and Chris is asking around because JC didn't come home, and he's got his tux for the formal. Oh. And we cut to a bunch of girls getting ready for the formal. Lots of titties. Yeah, yeah the eighties. It was the eighties. The eighties wasn't great. Yeah, it was yeah. the eighties. We see the betas getting ready for the formal, and we see the slugs getting ready for the formal. <laughs> I would have lost my shit if a slug had a little bow tie and a cummerbund. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'd have lost my shit. This movie does pass the Bechtel test from when Cynthia talks to the smart girl about the human brains in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also it passes it a couple other times because some of the other sorority girls who have names because they talk to each other talk about how the cat has died and they haven't told her yet because it would break her heart. Yeah. No, this movie legit passes the Bechtel test a couple different times. Known feminist icon movie, Night of the Creeps. (laughs) (laughs) The Bechdel test is literally the lowest bar. Oh, my God. We forgot to talk about the naked guy at the beginning. What happened to his penis? What did you watch? No, no, no. When he was out of the tube, it made him look naked, but also he looked like a G.I. Joe. Oh, he's wearing underwear. Yeah, he's wearing tidy whities I didn't see that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was like, what, they, what happened to him? If you look real closely, his penis is a slug, Mikey. Anyway, as Chris is getting ready, he listens to a tape that JC left him, which he's been in the room getting ready for a while. How has he not noticed this tape before? Because he's a he's a very respectful roommate. He's like, it's on JC's side. I'm not going to impose. Right. Mm -hmm. But he listens to the tape and the tape is basically heartbreak. The tape is so well acted and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is heartbreaking. But JC basically reveals that one of the slugs got in. He could feel it in his brain. He thinks he's dead and he's going to go to the furnace room in the basement. And if I don't come back, the heat will kill them because he finds out that he killed it with the fire. But then he ends it with, I walked, Chris, all by myself. Yeah. I love you. And good luck with Cynthia. And then a growling (laughs) sound at the end when he turns into a slug monster. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, JC. Chris takes off to, and it's weird because they call it the furnace room. But when Chris gets there, there's just, it's just written on one of the doors in Sharpie, boiler room. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a reference to Nightmare. Oh, that makes sense. I didn't think about that, but yeah, that makes sense. He gets down to the bottom of the boiler room and JC's body is there with sizzling slugs coming out of him. And at this point, 
I just have in my notes, well, time to go to formal. (laughs) (laughs) That's what everyone else is doing. So we cut to the beta house where all of the betas are getting onto a party bus. And they're like, where's Brad? He's bagging on the formal action. Bogus, man. Because this is an 80s movie. Yeah, (laughs) It's so quintessentially 80s that it seems like it's making fun of the 80s from like the early 2000s. But no, it's like they like distilled the 80s down to like the crack cocaine version of the 80s (laughs) and then snorted it and then stayed up for a week and wrote this script. This script was written in a week, by the way. What? This is surprising. (laughs) I mean, that's honestly the least surprising fact. Now that I think about Um, it. What's going to really surprise you are some of the people that worked on it. We'll talk about it in <laughs> Amazing. Okay. I mean, it's perfect. It's a perfect script. Lightning in a bottle, this script. Uh, Brad is at the sorority house drinking, and he just goes, bitch, and then throws a bottle at the house, but it doesn't even make it past the lawn. You know, because he throws it with all his might. Yeah. Uh, he sees a slug, and then he sees the house mother's dog, and he goes to talk to the dog, and the dog turns around. And barks a slug into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> i hate when dogs throw up it's so nasty it is and they always try and eat it afterwards you're like i'll clean it up oh. you don't have to do this leave that slug alone yeah yeah sit slug <laughs> so the dog shoots a slug into his mouth the party bus leaves and i like that the guy walks onto the party bus and just goes we're gonna get done, dude. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> this movie is amazing. It is. Uh, we cut back to Tom Atkins's house where he is drinking alone on the couch with his gun out. So th- this is where Chris knocks on his door and essentially uh, prevents Tom yeah, Atkins okay. from dying by suicide. Todd, did you know that? Did you see his door being duct taped? Yes, like, yes, I did. And, okay. and he had the oven open. He had the <laughs> oven open and the gas going. Yeah, no, no, I know they set it up, but essentially this is where chris is like they got alfalfa and tells him about the slugs he's like damn it spanky trying to stop me from ending my life (laughs) yeah but he goes and shuts the oven turns it off untapes the door everything yeah we cut back to the party bus that sees the house mother's dog in the middle of the road and it's like a demon dog and the bus driver tries to avoid and crashes the bus (laughs) rookie mistake as a bus driver here yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Always just run over the demon dog. Yeah, always yeah. run over the zombie dog. It's fine. Uh, So we cut to the evidence locker at the police station. And Tom Atkins is just like, hey, I need a flamethrower. And- <laughs> <laughs> Which is so ridiculous. Well, and he's talking to someone else who's like famous too, right? It's yeah, Futterman, it's- isn't yeah, it? Yes, Futterman from uh, Gremlins. Yeah, from yeah, Gremlins. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, I just need that flamethrower that we have. And then uh, Futterman's like, oh. That's a nasty piece of, like, the police department has a flamethrower. That is amazing. That's my favorite. I, I was dying because he's just like, flamethrower? You got it, boss. <laughs> just like, go he's to like, crowds oh, but, but flame do you thrower? have your flamethrower requisition form? And like, that's the holdup? Yeah. <laughs> it's not really a holdup because uh, Uncle Atkins pulls out a shotgun and pushes it through the gate. <laughs> he's like, do we have a problem? <laughs> Nope. So funny. So stupid. But Futterman in the scene actually mentions Halloween, which is funny because Atkins was in what I think is the best Halloween movie ever made. The original Halloween? No, he was in Halloween Halloween 3. Season of the Witch. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry, I'm dumb. We did that episode. I was like. It's not out, though. People can't listen to that episode unless they. I actually talked to Mondo about the audio audio the other day so that we could release it in October. Okay, good. Because I want to I want to put that episode out for everybody now that it's been like a year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So we cut back to the party bus, which is very clearly now full of a whole bunch of dead frat boys. And the dog just like hops its way into the bus. And it's such a small dog. It's so funny looking. It is. He's going to serve them all slugs. (laughs) (laughs) He's just in that bus barking up slugs. Yeah. Because he doesn't have his slug collar. You got to put like a little bit of medicine on the back of his neck to avoid the slugs. Uh, so we cut to the sorority house where Brad is pounding on the door. And my favorite is the sorority girl answers it. He is clearly a zombie, but she's just like, Cindy, Brad's here. (laughs) It's so funny, though, because she answers the door. This is my favorite scene of the whole movie. Oh, yeah. It's where she tries to break up with him gently as he's full on zombie. She comes out of the house, grabs his hand, and they sit on the steps. Well, yeah. and and as that's happening, we see that the bus full of betas has now turned to Zetas, and yes. they're walking <laughs> their way forward. But they're sitting on the steps. She's trying to break up with him, and there's shots over her shoulder where clearly he he's is like, a mannequin. Uh... He is not an actor. Oh yeah, because he's ejecting slugs like they're on a conveyor belt. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's it's as funny to me as the scene in Mannequin where she's a mannequin on the back of the motorcycle. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because he's just sitting behind her like <laughs> visual jokes for an audio podcast. <laughs> they never worked, but we commit to the bit. <laughs> he's a full on mannequin that's just oozing blood and slugs. And she's just like, don't take it personal. <laughs> well, she's not looking at him, which is why she's not yeah. seeing or hearing <laughs> the slugs hit the oh. steps. So, so funny. It's bonkers. I love it so much. But then, oh my God, Chris comes up with Tom Atkins and blow his head off. Yeah, they blow, they blow Brad's head off and then flamethrower his body. And Cindy's like in shock and he's like, hold this, you'll feel better. And he gets her the gun <laughs> and she's just like rubbing she her face against the gun. Yeah. Like she's a cat and the gun is Tom Atkins' leg. And she's just like, <laughs> she's like, I love you, Daddy Atkins. That's America. Yeah. <laughs> So Tom Atkins goes into the house with a gun and he's like, good news and bad news. Your dates are here, but they're all dead. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, we cut outside and Chris has put the flamethrower on Cynthia. And now they are on the lawn taking on the Zetas and they're fire. He's firing and then she's flamethrowing. They're a power couple. Yeah, they are. They're a power couple. Tom Atkins is in the house. He's trying to get them to lock all the doors. Uh, He makes it to the nerdy girl's room. But before she can lock the door, the zombies come through and he makes a makeshift flamethrower out of hairspray. And his cigarette butt, (laughs) which is amazing. (laughs) Amazing. And so he dispatches some of the zombies. But she is now a zombie, too. And so she attacks him while he's on the floor. He looks up at the composite photo. Oh, my God. I could not believe this shot. It was so funny. (laughs) And realizes... That his his girlfriend was in this same sorority. And is literally smiling down on him from the past through this picture. <laughs> yes. And then he like fills with like emotional rage, grabs the gun and like shoots it's all of them. Like, ah! It's so and amazing. The shot is a spin shot. Yes. It's so good. We cut back outside where Cynthia and Chris are shooting all of the Zetas on the lawn. And my favorite 
is that she just says, don't these creeps take no for an answer? Which is a real dark fraternity joke. <laughs> I found its inclusion humorous. They yes. end up hiding in a shed. They kill one of the zombies with a hammer. Other guys reach through the wall. She gets the flamethrower going and they end up flamethrowing everyone. But they miss one. It grabs her. She kind of manages to push away as Chris starts a lawnmower and lawnmowers the guy to death, which, by the way, is a reference to Dead Alive, which we wanted to watch and couldn't because it's not fucking streaming anywhere (laughs) except for YouTube. And it's not complete on YouTube. That one almost got into the listener request final four. It had like it was like two suggestions away from being in the final four. We wanted to just put it in this month yeah. as a movie, but the only place in a, in the U.S. right now that you can find it streaming is YouTube, and it's not nece- it's not like a complete cut because it's not an official upload. It's just somebody uploaded it. Yeah. Well, I'm, then I'm glad it didn't win just because we we would have trouble finding it. But yeah. So if we find it streaming in the U.S., we will absolutely do Dead Alive because I kick ass for the Lord, and that's what we need to do. But (laughs) until then, it's going to have to wait. So after they get through the lawnmower, Tom Atkins has murdered all the dead zombies. uh, But they realize that there's something coming from the basement. It's the storage box full of brains. So they run through the house. They tell everyone to get out of the house. They go down into the basement where Tom Atkins already is with tape over his mouth and a giant gallon of gasoline. And he's just dousing a pile of slugs. I love how he has the duct tape over his mouth. Yes. It's so amazing. It was so funny. And one jumps for his mouth and he catches it. Not today, you little <laughs> bastard. <laughs> ah. Oh, he's so he's so dreamy. Honestly, he's the best of us. <laughs> he is the best of us. <laughs> we are all thrilled by his presence. Oh, um, absolutely. I'm pretty sure like he's where toxic masculinity came from. But... <laughs> I forgive him? (laughs) I'm glad that you decided that you're the one who gets to forgive toxic masculinity. You're welcome. (laughs) So he basically, the the flamethrower jams, so they're not going to be able to use it, but he has a lighter. And so he basically starts counting down so that they can get out of the basement in time. So fucking good. They get everybody out of the house. They run outside onto the lawn. They count down. He turns on the gas in the basement as well, so it's going to explode the whole house. And as he's about to open the lighter on the lawn, Chris says, Thrill Thrill me. me. (laughs) And the house explodes. The fire department and the police show up, but the flower that Tom Atkins stopped to smell still stands. Yep. Meanwhile, Cynthia turns to Chris and says, Nice tux. They end up kissing because they have trauma bonded. And Tom Atkins' burned corpse walks out full of slugs. Those slugs go to a cemetery, which is definitely a mini model of a cemetery. Oh, well, yeah, because you then get a like alien spaceship with like a spotlight just searching the cemetery. Yeah, looking so, for slugs. Yep. In my mind, headcanon, they kill all the slugs in the cemetery. The aliens come and clean up their mess. Yeah, that was kind of my headcanon, too. Um, but I think it also left room for a sequel. Yeah, I definitely did. And that is the fact that we didn't get a sequel to this is a mistake. And And that's that's the movie. movie. (laughs) So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about this bonkers ass 80s movie? (laughs) I fucking love this movie. (laughs) This is a Mikey (laughs) movie. This is perfection. 
this is everything I want in a movie to make me feel better after a rough day at work or something. Yeah. How can you not love this movie? That's this movie, that's, that's the question I ask all of you. This movie's going to make me buy. There's this shirt I've been looking at online. I've talked myself out of it like three times, but it's a shirt that just says Tom Atkins rules. <laughs> and <laughs> now I think I need to own it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all need to own it. Will you send me the link? Yes, yeah. I this will. This is I peak will. Tom Atkins. Agree. <laughs> and this movie could have yeah. just been like a lame, like dorky college kids defeat space slugs. You know, like a normal 80s <laughs> movie. But it's sick. <laughs> But instead, they have a Tom Atkins B-plot of him dealing with his accident. He murdered the axe murderer who killed his girlfriend, who then becomes a slug zombie, which he kills, which almost kills himself. But he ends up killing all the slugs, and he's found purpose in life. Perfect. He's had a crazy 48 hours in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Paige. But yeah, so I love this movie. When you guys told me about it last week and I Googled it, I was very excited to watch it. And man, it totally met my expectations. (laughs) When I read the plot of it and that Tom Atkins was in it, I was like, this is the best I cannot wait. <laughs> and I was not disappointed. So, Paige, do you have some fun facts for us, though? Yes. Here it is with your fun facts. Atkins fun facts. Yeah, oh. I love it. He, in this movie, says, thrill me five different times. Oh. And then Chris says it the one time. He could not have said it enough. I mean, I love that line so much. What a catchphrase. I loved it so much. Um, this is his favorite movie he's ever done. And also he says that this director is one of the ones that he would work with again in a second. Oh yeah. So he, he loved this movie. Is he still he, alive? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's still alive. yeah. Can we reach out to him? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we can't get him, but we could try. I mean, I would 100% love to talk to Atkins. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 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 He also came up with the idea to have, uh, the detective smell the flower. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that was his idea. I love it. Um, So let's get through. All of the main characters are based on famous horror and sci-fi directors. So Chris Romero is... Obviously, yeah, we just did his movie, yeah. Yep. Uh, Carpenter and Hooper is basically... Uh, James Carpenter Hooper is one of the other uh, okay. characters in the movie. Yeah, one of the cops was named Ramy. Yes, uh, it's there's Detective Landis and and Sergeant Ramy. Okay, yeah, yep. Cynthia Cronenberg, obviously, obvious, and then James Cameron, Detective Ray Cameron, and they go to Corman University, which is a reference to Roger Corman, and then Mister Minor, the janitor, is named after Steve Minor. Okay, so, that's amazing. Yeah. So let's talk about the striper graffiti. Okay. Yes. According to the director, the striper rules graffiti was due to a makeup artist on the movie. Her name is Kyle Sweet, and she at the time was dating striper frontman Michael Sweet. So Kyle Sweet's her married name. But so that's why it's in red. It's like written in lip liner. Oh. And it was. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Um. The uh, we talk about how the house mother's watching Plan Nine. Plan Nine gets mentioned a couple times in this movie. Most of this film was shot in an old Woolworths department store that was converted into a makeshift studio. So like Tom oh. Mackin's house, some of the interiors of the sorority house, the lab interior, all of that is a Woolworths department store. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, the tool shed sequence. Where they kill a, a guy with a hammer and they have the lawnmower. That's actually filmed after principal photography, after the movie had wrapped and been cut and shown to a test audience. Several people who watched the movie thought it needed more action. And so this was added to the movie. But while they were filming this, the director was like, 
well, if we're reshooting anyway, let's add some more stuff. So he added the scene of the zombie feet going up the fire escape. Okay. And he added some of the just kind of the basics of the sorority living room of the girls talking to each other. Right. And then oh. he added the scene of Tom Atkins grabbing the slug midair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I figured that was in the original draft because that's like an amazing moment. It was not. It was added after. Oh, I'm but so speaking glad of the original draft, this script was allegedly, the first draft of the script was allegedly written in a week by Fred Decker with some help from his roommate at the time, a fledgling screenwriter who hadn't sold any scripts yet. Shane Black. What? <laughs> oh my God. And they had written together before. They worked together on a script called Shadow Company. It's technically the first script that Shane Black ever wrote in 1984, a year before he writes his first draft of Lethal Weapon. And the script was supposed to be a horror film about U.S. Special Forces soldiers who died during Vietnam. And years later, after the war, their bodies are brought back. And the soldiers who were members of a secret army experiment rise up from the graves as rotting, unstoppable zombies, kind of like Planet Terror a little yeah. bit. And the zombie soldiers would have allegedly raided the armory from a nearby army base and then proceeded to destroy the town in which they were buried, killing everyone in it and wiping it off the ground during Christmas night. And the movie was supposed to be directed by John Carpenter sometime in 1989. This sounds amazing. And produced by a man named Walter Hill, who also kind of played with the script a little bit. And they had already agreed to cast Kurt Russell as what? the main character. Oh, my God. Imagine Kurt Russell saying, shoot all zombies on sight. Love it. Uh, <laughs> but the movie was never made. And the original script by Black and Decker, did, and I realize that it's, it's not that's Black funny. and Decker, like, yeah. but that's yeah. just their names. Uh, it does gain a cult following by both theirs and John Carpenter's fans. It's one of those, like, the movie that could have been. Oh, my someday. God. Yeah. They could just need to still make that movie. I would watch that movie in a second. Like, with Kurt Russell. I would I would absolutely yeah. watch it with Kurt Russell. Absolutely. But who would you cast instead of Kurt Russell? Let's say you have to go young. Who are you casting? Oh, shit. You could cast Wyatt Russell. I was about to say his son, but I couldn't. I was literally Googling his name. He yeah. would be like the he would be like the friend. I don't know if he'd be the leading man. Here's my thing. Wyatt Russell already did Overlord, which is basically this right. movie in World War Two. Yeah, I, I feel like you could get a Hemsworth in there. I think you get a Hemsworth. I mean, I have a controversial statement. I mean, you could go the actual like cannibal route and cast Army Hammer. <laughs> he'd have too much fun with it he'd enjoy making it too much he'd like it too much they would have to uh pay too much in post to remove the erections <laughs> <laughs> so in this movie greg nicotero and howard Berger play zombie extras both famous zombie makeup artists awesome uh, I mentioned that they originally wanted to shoot the entire film in black and white, uh, but also there were pacing issues that the studio, quote, according to the director, really railroaded me on. And it reached a point where an executive and an editor did a cut of the movie without the director's involvement. And he eventually had to let it go. And that's the bulk of what we have as the final cut. The director's cut has a couple additions, but not much. Okay. Um, but... Fred Decker said that all the films he did after this, he had a stopwatch in his pocket at all times. Okay. So he basically was like really keeping track for pacing. Sure. 
And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those amazing fun facts. Now, let's talk some box office. Now, I had to find the budget on Wikipedia. So I never really trust that fully because sort of anyone can submit information to Wikipedia more or less. But while I was there, I also saw that this writer, director, Fred Decker, was also the story by credit on House and House 2, Mikey. (laughs) So when I saw that, I was like, this makes so much sense. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you definitely have a type. I'm here for broad shoulders. You're here for cocaine. It's great. Anyway, and uh, House 2, the second story, uh, came out the same year as Monster Squad, which referenced the uh, Shane Black movie you talked about earlier, Paige. Uh, Okay, so what do you think the budget was for Night of the Creeps in 1986? Hmm, I'm going to say this cost a million bucks. I'm going to say three million. Okay, you're both low. This cost five million dollars to make. Okay, That makes sense. That's okay. I mean, they, they... Clearly had to build a lot. There's a lot of stylized stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of slugs on. Unvisible strings, (laughs) which I think was intentional. I think that was intentional. I think it is intentional, too. It's supposed to be a B movie, and they wanted that to come across, and it definitely, definitely came across. Yeah, I think think the strings are kind of a nod to Plan 9, to be honest. Yeah, I think the whole thing has to be intentional, like Plan 9. But if you adjust for inflation, that's a little over $12 million, all right? I mean... Looking at that now and knowing what it took to make Invisible Man, <laughs> you know, but still, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're different vibes for sure. All right. So, yeah. this movie premiered on August 22nd, 1986. And um, let's just say it was way, way down on the charts. <laughs> this is a perfect summer movie, though. Well, you're saying that when Top Gun was out. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Well, never mind. Yeah. But it was 26th in the theaters when it came out. Uh, It was beat by The Fly was number one that weekend. Stand By Me was number two. Aliens was number three. Top Gun was number four. And a little movie you may have heard of called Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was number five. Oh, so it got blown out of the water, especially if Aliens is out that week. Oh, yeah. I mean, every one of those movies I've heard of, right? And I've seen yeah. all of yeah. them except for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Number six was the Karate Kid Part 2. Like, there's a bunch of, like, oh, big movies. Karate Kid 2 is such a good Karate Kid movie, It's too. my favorite. Also, out of the yeah. time, Flight of the Navigator. So, like, there's a lot Ooh. of big movies that came out in 86. The first Marvel movie ever made, Howard the Duck, came out at this time and was in the theaters. That movie bombed. I think this did better than Howard the Duck. <laughs> it did not, Mikey. In fact, oh! Howard, the Duck, Howard the Duck was 23rd in the theater. This is 26th. Uh, anyway, so what do you think the movie made, Night of the Creeps, made in its opening weekend? I'm going to say $200,000. Okay. $100,000? All right. So it actually made $220,000. Damn. Page. It was only in 70 theaters. It never was in more than 70 theaters. So, and I'm telling you that now because I I do want you to guess its total box office performance. But remember, never in more than 70 theaters. Never more than 70 theaters. I'm going to say it's lucky to hit 1 million. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? 950,000. Okay. So box office for this movie for Night of the Creeps was almost $600,000. It was $591,000. $366. Oof. It bombed. 
in theaters. How does he get to make Monster Squad after this? Cocaine, baby. We just, they, they just keep going back in the 80s. I do think that cocaine's a powerful drug <laughs> and that it was only in 70 theaters. I do think it would have made its budget back. Because like, for instance, Top Gun was in just over a thousand theaters, right? I bet if this is in a thousand theaters, it makes $10 million. Yeah, well, and I wonder if Monster Squad was already in production when this was being released. It probably was, because it came out in 87. Yeah. So, yeah, and that probably saves his career, honestly. Monster Squad is a huge cult hit. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not necessarily a hit at the time, but it's a cult classic. Yeah, Um, but that is your box office. So, um, let's hit him with that scary scale, Mikey. Scary scale listeners is a scale one to ten of how scary we found the film today. One or one example is Ghostbusters and ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's not a scale of quality, just of how scary it is. And I think I know what everyone's answers are. You do. Uh Paige? One. One. Todd? One. I will also say one. Yeah. Another chorus of ones for this. I honestly thought that we would do some scary movies this month, but we haven't really. Maybe we should go to a quality scale. (laughs) (laughs) But this is not at all scary. It's amazing, and I loved it. Agreed. But this week, you guys made me watch Night of the Creeps. What are you guys making me watch next week? Next week, the listeners are making yeah, you watch something. Oh, that's right. So with the listener request, and that just ended, actually, and the finalists were Army of the Dead, Little Monsters, Zombieland, and Hashtag Alive, and Zombieland destroyed in the vote. It got more than double its next closest movie. So we will be watching Zombieland next week, which I understand is a zombie comedy. So I think I'm getting away this month without being really scared for zombie month. And I'm super excited about that. I'm surprised they didn't pick a scarier movie for you since we kind of went light on you. Do we want to talk about what next month's theme is since we just announced the last movie? So next month's theme is camp horror. Yeah, we actually announced this on Twitter because someone asked us if we would do it. And I asked Paige, I was like, is it cool if we we go ahead and spoil it? And I was like, yeah, we're doing camp horror this next month. Summer camp, not like campy camp. But Although it could camp. be both. I mean. But both, yes. <laughs> but yeah, specifically summer camp horror. So yeah, yes. be thinking of some good, scary summer camp horror suggestions that you all can scare me with next month. Yes. So Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No. All right. Well, while you look one up, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast. And that is simply to leave us a five-star text review and Mikey will read it on the podcast. That's how it works. So Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? Sorry, you said that all really fast. Uh, say it slower. Let me <laughs> okay, tell you. Okay, good. <laughs> good job. <laughs> oh, they, you got some pity reviews this week. Would you want me to read one of those? Absolutely. I will take your pity reviews okay. after that child shit all over me. <laughs> well, you gave her cancer. <laughs> I don't think I want to go on the record as saying I don't think I gave her cancer, but I do think I cured it. Okay, so R-E-T-R-E. F-O, ret refro, ret refro. <laughs> ret refro. It's, it's like a Scooby-Doo trying to say something. Ret refro. Okay, um, <laughs> a great, uh, a, a five-star review entitled, A Great Show Through Sad Times. Oh, thank you. I absolutely love this podcast. That's very sweet. I've been going through some rough times lately, and what has helped me make my days better has been loading and listening to one or two episodes of Horror Version each evening. That's really sweet. That is very sweet. I'm so glad we can be a part of what makes your day better. They have a fantastic range of movies from new to old, and their dialogue is insightful while still feeling like you're hanging out with friends. Aw. All right, here it comes, Todd. 
I'm ready. Todd is definitely my favorite of the three hosts due to his personality and voice. <laughs> oh, Lord. This I love this so much. Uh, but they're all lovely in their own ways. Yeah, Mikey, you're a soft ten. I am a hard seven. <laughs> it just yeah but they're all lovely in their own ways i've already recommended it to a few friends and would recommend it to anyone who's interested in horror or movies in general five stars well retro thank you so much for that amazing five star review and honestly thank you so much for suggesting that your friends and family listen to the show that's huge for us because we don't have a marketing budget so that's really the only way we grow so thank you so much for doing that mm-hmm. sorry you've been having a rough time yeah i hope you I hope things get better for you yeah check out our other podcast if you need more episodes yeah I recommend starting with Mannequin. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. And literally we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd awesome. Well, we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's, Twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome. Guys, check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Nick B, fun fact. Oh, yeah? Yes. He once crashed a bus trying to avoid a dog and killed 30 people. <laughs> Nick B, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's that's rough. Yeah. It was a double-decker double decker bus. He is in the in UK. England. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That actually does check out. I've ridden one of those double-decker buses. Always double tap the demon dogs. <laughs> <laughs> With your front bumper. This episode was also brought to you by... Ori! And Ori is amazing. I was having a rough time and I was on like the front porch step of my sorority. And um, I was just talking to someone I thought I had just broken up with. And Ori came up and shot that person in the face. And then some old, really handsome guy who I would date, even though I'm half his age, blasted him (laughs) with a flamethrower. So thank you so much, Ori, for that amazing, amazing save. Because I was almost about to get French slug kissed. By Tom Atkins. Oh, I'm here for it. All right. This episode was also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom. And Awesome Possum Blossom wants me to give you some awesome possum facts. So here's one for you. At the end of Night of the Creeps, the reason you don't see any zombies come out of those graves is because an army of possums quickly attacked those slugs and ate them up. We thank them for their service. Mm-hmm. They're the real MVPs. Thank you, awesome possums. <laughs> Most valuable possums. <laughs> MVP, yes. baby. They make anything 
possible. <laughs> oh my God, Mikey. I love you. And I love that I was in your brain for that quick moment. <laughs> this episode also brought to you by the letter Jeff and Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down either a Jessica Jones episode, but now that they've gone through all of those, they've moved on to agent Carter episodes. So check out kissing Jessica Jones available wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business, which is actually called Bug Cage Company on Facebook. So if you have any centipede, millipede, spider, scorpion, or any other rapide that you might have the milla need for speed for, check out Brandon's Bug Business. It's actually called Bug Cage Company on Facebook, and they will ship you some bugs for practical or pranking purposes. Got the need. The need for peed. (laughs) We now return you for another episode of... uh, the, the Patreonicals. Most Evil Matthew talks shit on Facebook. M-E-M. Most Evil Matthew. Uh-huh. With his goatee of long, evil proportions. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, is your goatee length in proportion to your evilness? Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know that? I, I, I mean, I didn't, but now I do, and I'm glad I know. Mm-hmm. It's like a visual warning. Yes. He's got Isaac in a control collar. Yep. And make... Tells Isaac to make more control collars and remake the Sunny D virus. <gasps> oh my God. Is this just a straight up reboot of like four, <laughs> three years ago or two years ago? We don't know what's going to happen, Todd. <laughs> I fully believe you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Every day's a new adventure. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know what I said last week, but. Uh, most evil Matthews captured Dave and decides to kill him in creative ways each week. Uh, this week, he stuck a bunch of toothpicks in him, like thousands of them, and he bled to death slowly with like little drops, and then Dave died. So he acupuncture murdered him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That sounds terrible, honestly. I'm, I've never had acupuncture. It might be great, but I'm not. A, I, I don't want it. It, it seems you, like it would not feel good. You don't feel the needles. Okay. They're, they're so thin, you don't really feel them. I get that uh-huh. same feedback from Natalie. Mm. Most evil Matthew sent, sent Kaylee his, she's, you know, she's got pocket knives and she's beautiful. It's her secret. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. That's right. She's yeah, 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 beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. bad. Yeah. She, her and she took Domosaurus, uh, who also has a control collar, to the CNN building in Atlanta because <laughs> most evil Matthew wants to transmit on a global scale. So they go in there and Kaylee starts throwing pocket knives at everybody and Domosaurus just starts eating people and they start throwing control collars on some people and making it like their own little army to control CNN. That's what they're doing. Okay. I swear to God, if this little bit ends up in a QAnon conspiracy, I'll be very upset at you. But yeah, I did not see that coming, but maybe now that you've planted the idea. <laughs> um, just like Flat Earth, it starts as a joke and then becomes a real sad thing. <laughs> yeah. Someone S- should be asking these questions. <laughs> Sasha Sasha and Eddie are having a hard time in this new world of Patreonicals because they feel guilty about destroying the last one. And they're just like Kate is slapping them to try to get them to stop crying. <laughs> she should have them hold ice cubes. I learned that that was yeah. a better alternative. <laughs> There's no ice around right now because ah, it's global okay. warming. Uh, Amy's like, hey, do we need a spaceship? Like, do we just need a spaceship? And then, like, no one really has a plan this week. It's not going well. I like how you blame no one for you're not having a plan. (laughs) (laughs) By no one, do you mean Mikey doesn't have a plan? I don't. I'm not going to. Look, I'm the therapist here. (laughs) And then Danielle, she, she's like, 
she just runs off. She's like, I'm done with this whole patriarchal stuff. This is stupid. I hate it. Everyone's dying all the time. She just runs off. Right. And then Kate's like, what are you doing? We have to stick together, be a team or whatever. And she's like, whatever, fuck all y'all. And she <laughs> runs off. But then Karun speaks up. He's like, yes, Amy, I do need a spaceship. I'm still from space and I hate this planet so fucking much. Do you not see my blue skin? Get me yeah, off this, I am blue skin. this horrible place. Yeah. People think I am a bl- in the blue man group. And like I have, I hate it. I hate this place. People keep handing me trash cans and drumsticks to play on. <laughs> Chicken wings. <laughs> so Amy's like, well, maybe we can do that, Karun. And then uh, he's like, no, I need to get my friend Domasaurus back. He's been captured by most evil Matthew. Blah blah yeah. blah. And um, Kate's like, we need a plan to stop him because this is going to escalate just like it did before into Bonkers Town, and we don't want to do that. How are we going to do it? And that's the episode. <laughs> Will this escalate into bonkers town? <laughs> Will most evil Matthew go for a trim just to lie to people and convince them that he's just regular evil Matthew? Will CNN change their name to CCNN for Control Caller News Network? Find <laughs> out next week on another episode of uh, The, the Patriarchals. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it oogie spooky. Have a great week. Bye. Mikey, say thrill me. Thrill me. (laughs) I love Tom Atkins so much. I might start using that on romancing the (laughs) podcast. You should. (laughs)